I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Whispering Woods podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. We're now on episode five. Can you believe it? It's amazing. <laughs> First of all, I want to apologise. Toby and I have got really bad colds at the moment, so if we sound really nasal, that's the reason why. Shall we start with some reviews? Yes. My review's from Lana S. Hughes. Fabulously frightful. This fab podcast has got everything you need for a spooky autumnal listen. Love it. Thank you. And my review is from Kristen. They say, brilliant. I listened to episode one while outside on my morning walk. It was chilly out and stories made it a bit chillier. Love the spooky stories and especially love the dialogue between the storyteller and her 12-year-old son. Thanks so much, Kristen. We really appreciate it. I love reading these reviews. They're great. And thanks for the support, everyone. Today's episode is going to be about... Mirrors. Like normal? This will talk about superstitions with mirrors and where they come from, some of them. I mean, it's a really in-depth subject, so I've just done quite a quick kind of intro. Are you ready for that? Yes, I am. There are many myths and superstitions surrounding mirrors, and some of these date back to the Roman times. It was believed that mirrors had the ability to trap souls, and if you didn't look after them, they would make bad things happen to you. The covering of mirrors is a well-known superstition, and if someone dies in their home, it should be done post-haste to avoid their spirit becoming trapped. Mirrors can also attract demons to a place that has seen a recent tragedy. In Judaism, mirrors are covered throughout the mourning period so that spirits are able to reach the afterlife. The Romans believed that smashing a mirror 
would bring seven years of bad luck. This superstition stems from another belief they held, that the soul is reborn every seven years, and that a mirror not only reflects back your earthly body, but your soul too. During this rebirth, any broken parts of you would be renewed, but if you smashed a mirror whilst it carried your own reflection, any illnesses or diseases would stay with you until the curse was lifted and good luck returned. In ancient Turkey, it was also believed that your soul was reflected through mirrors, and to cause any damage to a mirror would, in turn, cause damage to your soul. But it's not all bad. Mirrors were seen as good luck in ancient China, and were used to ward off evil. So, any thoughts on mirrors? Yes, I've heard that you shouldn't have a mirror in front of your bed because demons can come out. And that's what I thought when I was younger when I used to stay in our bed because there was a mirror in front of it. I used to get scared. Yeah, when I was young. uh, Yeah, I would have been younger than you. I do remember quite vividly, so it must have really scared me. A story in a magazine. It was probably one of those 80s girls magazines that you know nothing about. But we used to have magazines when I was a kid. You do know what a magazine is, though. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you used to like, get girls and used to get boys' magazines back in the day. And I don't mean in that way either. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think it was called Judy or something. There was a story about a, a girl and she was in the attic and she found an old mirror and she started talking to a reflection that wasn't her reflection, but in the end, this reflection swapped places with her. A bit like, have you seen that film? What's it called? Them? No. A film called Them? It's like the mirror images come out and start taking over. No, I don't Spooky, spooky, spooky. <laughs> Are you ready for the first spooky tale? Let's get to it. I was about the age of 13 when this story took place. I lived in an old house just on the outskirts of a large city and was surrounded by cornfields and forests. It was a dreary summer night, which is mostly normal for the place I live. But on this particular night, something just felt off. I had come home from soccer practice around 6pm, and my parents always had me in bed by 8. The night went on as usual. I ate dinner, played with my little sister, and did some weightlifting before bed. I got into bed around 7.45. This story will make better sense if I tell you some things about me. I'm a restless sleeper. I toss and turn and get up periodically through the night. And I've always had a fascination with the afterlife. Okay, back to the story. I'm not sure exactly what time I fell asleep. But I didn't really have my usual episode through the night. 
This was the first night I had slept peacefully in years. I was suddenly awoken by a strange noise coming from the bathroom in my bedroom. Since I had to use the bathroom anyways, I decided to go and check it out. I thought it might be a mouse or a bat, since we live in the country and the house is old and it has holes in the walls. I went in the bathroom, I didn't see anything, so I proceeded on my way to pee. After peeing, I washed my hands and face, and when I was washing my face, I looked up at the large mirror that overhangs my sink. Since there was still water in my eyes, my vision was blurry and I couldn't really see much. But I thought I saw something behind me. Maybe just my mind playing tricks on me. I dried my face off and looked up at the mirror again. Right behind me, there was a little girl, clutching my body. Almost as if she was hiding from something. Her ghostly outline scared me at first, but as I kept looking, I could tell that whatever was scaring her was coming from the basement. So I walked to my basement door, and I opened it slightly at first, because I was really scared of what might be behind it. That being said, I've lived in this house my entire life, and have never been in the basement. So I walked to the basement steps and got down to the bottom where the light switch was. I turned it on. And all seemed like it was okay. That's until I heard what sounded like crying from one of the other parts of the basement. In my mind, I was thinking, stuff this. But in my heart, I knew I had to see what it was. So I ventured through the part of the basement and the light couldn't reach the other side where the room was. It was pitch black. I still heard the crying, but since it was so dark, I couldn't see anything. Something gave me the urge to go to the far corner of the room, because the way the moonlight reflected off the floor, you could kind of see with the little light you had. I walked over to the corner and stared directly in the middle of the room. There was a chair... It had shackles for the feet and what looked like to be some kind of restraint for arms or something like that. That's when I noticed that there was someone sitting in the chair. I walked closer, only to reveal that it was the same little ghost girl that had been crying previously in the bathroom. She was also crying here and had needles stuck in her arms, administering some kind of fluid into her. All was quiet until she started screaming. It was so high-pitched, I thought it sounded like a siren or something of that nature. She was speaking, but I couldn't make out what she was saying until she spoke five menacing words that made my heart sink. Get out! Daddy is coming! Not even thinking twice, I sprinted up the basement stairs tripping over my own feet and fell flat on my face once I reached the top. I got back up and ran to my parents' room. I told them what had happened. They went down to the basement and checked everything out. I told them about the chair and the little girl that was screaming. They told me there was no chair in the basement and there had never been three parts to it. Me not believing them, 
I walked back down there, and the room that I saw the chair in was not there. There's only ever been two parts of the basement, my dad said. I told him what I saw and how I knew there had to be some mistake. But I never did see that part of the basement again. I'm 18 now and decided to do some research on the house to see if there's any history that could have caused that. I came across an article of a man who had been arrested in 1868 for doing lab experiments on all of his children. After the man was arrested, the police found all 12 skeletons of his children stuffed behind the basement stairs under debris and concrete. Now that I've finally moved out of the house and I have an answer to what I saw that night, I'm at peace. But those five words still hang over me to this day. Get out! Daddy is coming! Okay, ready for the second story? Continue. This is um, quite a long one, so settle back and enjoy the spooky train. <laughs> this is the first of many stories about strange experiences at my gymnastics facility. I can and will post more, so keep watching. Side note. Names have been changed and I refer to myself as OP in dialogue. Now, I know what you're thinking. OP, a haunted gym? Come on, this is supposed to be non-fiction. Believe me, I would have thought I was crazy reading this too. 
I've always been a skeptic, but this really changed me. I'm the person who loves science, who can always find a logical explanation for something, even when it's a huge stretch. But no, I'm not joking. These experiences changed me and my team forever. You believe I'm not crazy yet? Well, that's good. I can finally tell you my story. I've been doing gymnastics for about nine years at this point, and I'm competing level eight this year. But this story begins about a year and a half ago in November of 2017. Competition season was rapidly approaching and plans were being made to move our gym across town before the month was out. So we were working harder than usual in the gym Our team were burning out and we really needed to remember why we loved the sport so much. My floor coaches, Gabby and Maya, sat us all down one day to have a team chat. We all sat in our usual semicircle at their feet. I can tell you're losing it. I am too, so I propose a break. After Friday's practice, we'll have another sleepover. This may be our last chance in this gym. Everyone, of course, loved Gabby's proposal. All of our past leapovers had been some of the funniest experiences at the gym, and they had really brought us closer. This one was to be no exception. My teammates all agreed to bring drinks, games, and of course, food. We're going to make this the best sleepover ever, exclaimed Emma. The day arrives and we're all itching to get practice over with so we can party. We listened to Charlie's new song, titled I Got Two Boobsicles. It was ridiculous, but we loved her songs and her strained, twisted 11-year-old brain. It was an average practice, filled with laughs in between exercise after exercise. The time finally came for us to stay. First on the agenda wiffle ball. We split into two teams and play our hearts out. As I'm up to bat, I swing and hit. I throw my bat aside. I hear a scream. Brooke is on the ground, hands over her face, looking like she'd just seen a ghost. She took her hands away and her right eye was bright red. OP, you idiot, she shouted, almost giggling. All I saw was that bat coming at my eye and then pain. I had hit her with my flying bat. Wiffle ball was almost over after that, and with the collegiate softball talents of Gabby and the pure stubbornness of Sydney and myself, we have managed to squeeze in a victory. Next up was just some dancing and our annual ugly dance-off. We all spread out across the floor in front of the tall, vast mirrors we used to practice our routines. That was cut short, because soon after the music had started playing, Elena noticed something was wrong. Guys! Guys! She shouted until one of us decided that maybe what she had to say was more important than doing the worm. We shut off the music and turned on the lights. What the hell do you want, Elena? We all questioned. Those haven't been there, have they? No one did that. How could we have never noticed? 
she asked, her voice slightly shaking. All of us confused, we stared at her like she was crazy. We thought maybe she was crazy until she slowly raised her hand, pointing at the top of the mirror. There they were, long, thin, white handprints, all across the top of the mirror. There were some very large claw-like ones, upside down, twisted, all over the place. Some of them were tiny, almost as if a baby had crawled across the mirror. They too were twisted, upside down, and in no special pattern. It was like I could feel the hands crawling up and down my back, and the chills sent me to the ground. We were all floored, staring in horror and awe. Did one of you pull that? Come on, don't scare us. This is total BS, I said. I knew in my heart it wasn't any of them, but my scepticism prevented me from believing what I was seeing. None of us did that, OP. There's no way anyone could do that without standing on something. Abby had always been like an older sister to me. She was strong and fearless, but now even her voice was high-pitched and quivering with fear. We all sat there, almost silently, for a few minutes, just processing the image before us. Being tweens and teens, each of us took out our phones and snapped a shot of the prince. In a vain attempt to lighten the mood, Emma said, The big one looks like a Sheldon made them. We were too creeped out to fully appreciate the humour, but a lighter mood came over us like a blanket. The little ones are definitely a little girl, like the girls in The Shining, Charlie remarked. I dubbed her Lucy, but that wasn't quite right. Sydney suggested Lucille, and something about that sent a chill up my neck. Lucille, repeated Maya, and I could tell that she too had felt what I had. I can't look at them anymore, let's get rid of them, Brooke suggested. This kind of paranormal activity affected her the most. She had always believed in ghosts and grew up in an old house with many experiences I had chalked up to coincidence or some other phenomena. Now I wasn't so sure about that. Gabby and Maya grabbed the cleaning supplies and a couple of step ladders and soon the mirrors looked as if no hands had ever touched them. Scared but determined to keep up with the fun of the sleepover, we decided to play hide-and-go-seek, but in the nearly pitch black of the gym at night. The only light coming in was the dim beams of occasional headlights on the road outside, streaming through the dusty garage door windows. Rounds went by and my spots were legendary. I've always been great at finding tight spaces in corners no sane person would think to check. The round, when it happened, was no exception. Let's pause the story real quick and I'll give you a layout of the gym. When you walk in the front door, there's a lobby. The lobby enters into a seating area. The seating area is next to a small carpeted zone we call the preschool area. In front of both of those is the spring floor and towards the left side are the vaults. Further to the left is the trampoline and some other mats and storage. 
The vaults naturally have runways that extend all the way to the back of the gym. On the far left, past the trampoline area, are the parallel bars. Behind the floor, on the opposite side of the runway, are the bars. And on the far right of the bars are the beams, littered throughout our piles of mats and other drills. Now this may seem fairly arbitrary and frankly a bit confusing now, but I promise you it will all make sense. This is what made the round absolutely spine-chilling. Gabby, Maya and Abby were grouped together to be the seekers. They retreated to the lobby to count as we scrambled in the darkness to find a good spot. I chose to hide in the darkest corner of the preschool area, under a small and colourful beam and covered by a thin mat. I made sure it had a peephole. Everyone else scattered and hid, and after all the noise of moving mats had died down, I swore I heard a faint noise. I heard it again, but this time it was almost in my ear. LP, the voice says, sounding like a hissing snake. LP. Although the seekers were still counting, I felt that I couldn't be loud, even though the voice had sounded so close to me. I thought it was Emma calling out for me from the right edge of the floor, about 15 feet away. I whispered back, What? At the lowest volume I could so that she could hear me. I only whispered once and there was no response. I never could call out again because at that exact moment the seekers emerged from the lobby into the waiting darkness. I watched through my peephole as they went straight to the trampoline area, talking a little bit but still scared. After all, it was dark and we never had the best feeling about the gym at night. Tonight particularly, I had a worse feeling than any other time we had slept over. I watched the seekers' figures moving from the trampoline area to the vaults, then slowly walked down the runway. My spying was interrupted by a figure in the corner of my vision. There was at least one human-like shape slowly making its way across the floor toward the vault runways where Gabby, Maya and Abby were still sneaking along. I was a little mad that Emma was planning to scare the coaches without me, but insistent to remain hidden, I didn't come out. I hid my face for one second, and as I ducked back into my secret place, I heard a sound. The sound that still sends chills down my spine. It sounded like a herd of animals crawling down the runway at a sprint. The girls had made a plot to scare the coaches without me. I looked out as soon as I heard the noise and had to cover myself up immediately. Then I looked back out. What I saw still haunts me to this day. It wasn't my teammates out there at all. It was nothing. There was no one there. The sound was reverberating throughout the gym but all I saw when I looked out was the gym as it was, except the runway had a slightly blacker sheen. Maybe it was the figures. I hadn't looked long enough to tell. As soon as I was back under the mat, I heard a thud and a set of screams, followed by some sobs of terror. The stampede stopped. The only thing I had left to cling to was my hope of not being found so I remained in my spot as the coaches and Abby lay at the end of the runway 
in pure disbelief and terror. They had turned on a flashlight, but no one had left their hiding spot. The gym was as it had been. No mats moved or shadowy figures, just a gym. After a minute of me hyperventilating under the mat, I decided it was time to see if what I swear I had seen was real. Gabby, Maya and Abby were in the exact place they had been minutes before, still in a heap on the runway, sobbing. Everyone else had come over. Guys, come on! I thought we had no scaring rule during hide-and-seek. You remember what happened last time? I said, still doubting what I had definitely seen with my eyes. Through all that had happened, I was still sceptical. Maybe my eyes had been playing tricks on me, and there really had been girls on the runway before. No one did that, OP. I was under a mat by the bars the whole time. Brooke's response really made it seem real. I was behind the trampoline in the dark corner and I swear to God, your mother, anything you want that I didn't move. Elena added with a tremor. Sydney, who was too scared to talk, just shook her head. Sid and I were behind the parallel bars. We thought it was you and Emma. That's something you do, Charlie said. I had forgotten about Emma being near me. No, it wasn't us. You watched me come out from under the beams. I saw Emma crawl across the floor. I thought it was her. Emma seemed a little angry when I said that. No, I was in there, in those mats the entire time, I swear. I crossed my heart, I never moved or even spoke. That struck a chord for me. Wait, if you never said anything, then who whispered for me? When I asked this, I knew it wasn't anyone else. They were all well over 50 feet from my spot, other than Emma. It couldn't be explained. No one whispered to you, OP. What I don't get is why you kept shouting. You realise you're supposed to hide, right? Brooke said. I had no recollection of shouting anything, just whispering, What? In the smallest voice I could muster. Even though I swore all I had done was whisper once, All the others confirmed that they had heard me repeatedly shout three times. None of this night had made sense, and the night was still young. We all sat there for another hour, just feeling each other's presence. No one spoke, but we were comforted by the shared warmth. We thought it had hit us before, but after the reflection, reality was really starting to set in. We all went over, in exact detail, what we had been doing at the time of the event. I started. I was over there, in the far, far corner, under the beam and mat, doing nothing. I had a peephole, but wasn't looking out. Naturally, we were suspicious of Charlie and Sid, since they were the closest, hiding just a few feet from the runway. Charlie claimed that they had stayed hidden between two exercise balls under the parallel bar set. No one was in any state to lie at this point, so we believed them. Brooke was trapped between one large fluffy mat and another. I couldn't see anything, then Gabby and Maya collapsed into view, then Abby on top. They were screaming, I couldn't have made it down the runway and back into this spot in the time it took them to turn on the light. Her point, 
being quite valid, was accepted easily. All that was left was Elena, and she too hadn't moved and was far enough away for it to have nearly been impossible for her to be the culprit. That noise, that stampede of hands and feet crawling along dense carpeted foam, I couldn't get it out of my head. No human, not even all six of us girls hiding could have made that sound. It was a sound like no other. Familiar, but so otherworldly. Unique, chilling, terrifying. This event is a natural conclusion, right? Wrong. There's more. As I said, the night is young. There's so much more it couldn't fit into just one story so I'll spare you the details of us playing volleyball on the floor for an hour. But be prepared. After our volleyball tournament, Emma and Sydney collapsed with exhaustion onto the trampoline. We took a bathroom break, together for safety. Abby stayed behind. What time is it? Charlie asked. My mum would kill me if it were after midnight. It's 3.33, I said. 3.33? the devil's hour. Of course, it had to be 3.33. I'll never forget that time. That was the time we heard a pounding on the floor, followed by a shill screech. (coughs) Guys, you need to come out here. They're back. They're back! Abby screamed at us through the locked door. We were in a frenzy, and all of us sprinted out of the bathroom like a pack of dogs were chasing us. When we emerged into the gym, we were haunted by the sight before us. She was right. They were back. But they were impossibly different. But Gabby, you cleaned them off. It was spotless. They were gone. Charlie stuttered in disbelief. She was saying what all of us were thinking. They had been gone, but returned. This time in a new blood-curdling pattern. The handprints, those damn handprints, creeping across the mirrors, twisting, clawing, scratching my insides along with the reflective finish of the mirrors. It was like no feeling ever before. I was afraid for my life, but it was a fear of something there was no proof even existed. No one could believe what they were seeing. It was pure terror. There was something about the prints. They weren't just handprints. They were claws, scraping the mirrors. They were twisted upside down and backwards, and no angle humanly possible. They struck fear in all of our hearts. It was Gabby who broke the silence. I know this is crazy, but you have eyes. You saw, and I know for sure you felt the same things we're all feeling. This is real. We need to accept what we're all seeing. We weren't crazy. All this trying to crack it up to coincidence, seeing things or simply someone's pranks. And now I really knew it. These things really were unexplainable by nature and humanity. Me, the sceptic, believing something is supernatural. The night had really changed me. After cleaning the mirrors again so we weren't living in the shadow of the prince, we huddled in fluffy blankets and talked. We played cards until five and then finally got some sleep. It took a while to actually sleep. 
we could hear a tiny creak or a pipe go off and it would nearly send us over the edge. Everything is scarier in the night. It takes away our sense of sanity and sight. This night would continue even weeks, months, years after it occurred. But finally we slept, still as the dead, until the morning sun seeped in those same dusty garage door windows. Saturday morning practice the next day was uneventful, so I decided to hack Emma's phone. Charlie and I posed for way too many selfies. I scrolled through to find one to send to myself and dropped her phone onto the concrete below. It followed us into the light. The terrors of last night came back to me. Emma, seeing her phone on the concrete, rushed over and picked it up. She began to retch, also horrified at the sight on the screen. On her phone had been a photograph of her asleep on the trampoline. I thought it was Sydney until I noticed her sleeping body in the back corner of the image. We had been on the floor all night. Not one of us had been over to the trampoline. But the worst thing about it, the absolute worst image that I could never get out of my head, was the screen. The image of Emma sleeping and Sydney close by, with the timestamp, November 11, 2017, 3.33am. quite a weird story it's pretty freaky i think there's always something about a space that's normally got lots of people in to see it quiet i'm not making myself very clear am i say you were to wander around a school at night and it was quiet it would be scary would it it not yeah yeah i think it's something about a space that's normally full of people becoming quiet it just makes it really spooky you know places that are places that are packed and when they're empty look more creepy or just like give you a weird feeling boy they do look like eerie like the tube yeah you know in london and mind you you wouldn't have caught the tube at night but when it gets quieter it's just got an eerie feeling i think maybe it's about it's, it feels apocalyptic do you know what that means yeah yeah it feels a bit like that doesn't it and that things are hiding in the corners waiting there was a story one time i was saying at my mate's house we was playing bloody mary and we heard a massive thump of course it's like just dark room with just the mirror and me and my mate him we were massive thump, I boot open the door, I just jumped down the stairs and my, I broke my toe. So, don't really know what that thump was, but it shook us off a little bit because his stepdad used to say that there was someone living in that um, the loft as well. So, I do remember actually, because yeah. I had to take your pack. It was a school night. Yeah. I think it was the only. On his birthday. Yeah, one of the only nights I let you stay out on a school night when you were in primary school. And um, you hardly got any sleep. <laughs> And I don't think you were allowed to sleep over during the during the school term, were you? Yeah. Um, did it frighten everybody in the house? Did they no, wake up? I'm not sure. I think I, I think probably everyone was in bed. Mm. It was just me and Lucas probably didn't wake up from it because it's literally just a, like that. Right. 
So, oh yeah, we heard that and I just jumped, <laughs> jumped down a full set of stairs and just broke my toe. I couldn't do it. I've never done Bloody Mary or any of the others, like Candyman. I, I, no, just no. I'm not very to. My imagination runs rife as it is. Was it last night or the night before? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, <laughs> night before. I was watching creepy films in my room. And I stand up to go to the toilet. I see mum's face just standing there. Like, but it's like there's a weird light. And like, I had my red, red light on as well. So you look like, I thought it wasn't you for a sec. I was about to punch you. I know you were. I was only going for a wee. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. Well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed. Please leave reviews and have a good day yeah we're also going to leave a link to links to our social media accounts so if you want to come and join us save on those channels and see what we're getting up to see what info we're putting out that'll be fabulous okay take care everyone goodbye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.